Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is episode 16. Norfolk Broads. Now, recently we spent the weekend in Norfolk. We did indeed. Uh, My home county, a fine county. And while we were there, we took a lovely stroll along the Norfolk Broads. The Norfolk Broads. And so, today's episode begins with some facts about the Norfolk Broads. (laughs) Now, for anyone who doesn't know what the Norfolk Broads are, they are a network of rivers adding up to a total of 120 miles of navigable waterways and is is Britain's largest protected wetland. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had always been assumed that the Norfolk Broads were a natural occurrence. Mm. And it wasn't until 1960 that it was discovered by a botanist by the name of Dr Joyce Lambert they were in fact man-made and are a result of peat digging. So back in the day, and we're talking the 14th century, the excavated peat pits began to fill with water, Mm. leading to the end of the peat digging. Mm. And then they were flooded to create what we have today, which is a very beautiful area brimming with wildlife. And interestingly, the Norfolk Broads is the home to a swallowtail butterfly, which is the only place on the entire planet where such a species exists. <laughs> yeah, now, because you have a fear of butterflies, that would be accurate, wouldn't it? Well, to be honest, I have a fear of pretty much anything that flies other than birds okay. and aeroplanes. I'm not actually fond of aeroplanes either. But anyway, uh, yes, I, I am terrified of butterflies and more specifically moths, really. And do you know what the correct term is for someone who has a phobia of butterflies a massive wuss i think is the correct term okay a fear of butterflies and moths is lepidopterophobia i need to start saying that as an excuse for things i'm so sorry i'm lepidopterophobic but carrying on with the Norfolk Broids. Please do. Um, it is thought that Lord Admiral Horatio Nelson first learned how to sail in the Norfolk Broads. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you something about Horatio Nelson. He was born in 1758 in Norfolk and he joined the Navy as an ordinary seaman. But as his uncle, Morris Suckling, was captain Ooh. of the vessel, Horatio was soon appointed as midshipman and began office training. Wow, so he got into sailing thanks to nepotism. Yeah, and I found this surprising, that the young Horatio suffered from seasickness. Oh, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? I would have thought that would be a deal-breaker, and apparently it did affect him his whole life. That's like a tightrope walker being afraid of heights. Yeah, exactly. Now, when he was 35 years old, he met Emma Hamilton in Naples, and he had an affair with Emma while they were both married. I read here. Mm -hmm. Um, And they returned to Britain in 1800 with Emma Hamilton's husband while she was pregnant with Nelson's child. Oh, dear. Which uh, sounds all a little bit uh, Jerry Springer Mm. stroke Jeremy Kyle, doesn't it? Mm. And during his career, Nelson took quite a few injuries for the team in battle. Mm. Um, And he famously lost one of his eyes during the Siege of Calvi. 
which oh. is in Corsica, and had to have his arm amputated oh. With, oh. without anaesthetic, I'm reading here, um, after being shot in Tenerife. Is he the one that said, kiss me hardy? It was kismet hardy, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes, kismet. Yeah. That's the, um, the um, famous, famous mis mishearing or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was when he was finally fatally shot at the Battle of Trafalgar, mm. uh, but which ended in a British victory over the French anyway. Um, and uh, I was reading this, which I thought was interesting. The British army, when they won that uh, little encounter there, they took the French ships um, with the intention of stripping them and then reusing any useful bits. But the French cannons were too big and couldn't be fitted onto the British battleships. Oh, right. So what they did was they repurposed them and made them into street bollards, some of which you can still see yes. to this very day in yeah. the streets of East London and, and the city. Yes, we've seen a few, haven't we? God, we've seen a few in our time. <laughs> Okay, well, as you know, the Norfolk Broads are famously name-checked by David Bowie in his song Life on Mars. Yeah, you can't really take a stroller along the Norfolk Broads without uh, having a little sing. See the mice in their million hordes, from, from Ibiza to the Norfolk Broads. So I've done a bit of Googling on Life on Mars. Yeah. You'll be pleased to know. Did you know that the song came about after Bowie was asked by his publisher to write English lyrics to the right. melody of a French song that was written in 1967 by Jacques Reveau called Comme d'habitude, which means as per usual, and was originally performed by Claude Francois. Right. However, Bowie's lyrics, which he titled Even a Fool Learns to Love, were rejected. And then Paul Anker bought the rights to the tune right. and wrote his own lyrics, which turned out to be the song My Way. Oh. Yeah, which, as we all know, were made famous by Frank Sinatra. Of course. And Bowie was brassed off that his lyrics were rejected. <laughs> In fact, he was so brassed off that he took it on himself to write Life on Mars as a parody of My Way. Okay. And used it as its basis, using some of the same chord progressions. And in the liner notes on the album Hunky Dory, right. where the song appears, Bowie writes, inspired by Frankie. Well, I didn't know any of that. You probably know that Rick Wakeman plays the piano on the song. Yeah. But did you know that Dudley Moore was originally approached to play it? What? Yeah. And the piano Wakeman played on the recording was the same 1898 Bechstein or Beckstein, I'm not sure, piano used by the Beatles for Hey Jude and later by Queen for Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just returning to the fact um, that Life on Mars borrows some of the same chord sequences as My Way, yeah. there are a number of other songs that have also used the same chord progression, right. including Born Free, as free as, free as the wind blows, and For Once in My, my life, life, I Have Someone Who Needs Me, by Stevie Wonder. Of course. Did you know who wrote it, by the way, Born Free? Oh, no, I don't. John Barry. Oh, John Barry. Yes. So the, I... uh, the, the uh, James Bond uh, guy. Yeah, of course, most famous for writing a number of the James Bond themes, including Dr. No, From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, and You Only Live Twice. Yeah, he, uh, he did a lot of them. Among others, yeah. He also claimed that he wrote the main James Bond theme. You know, the... But that is actually credited to Monty Norman, who had originally been approached to write the score for Dr. No, 
the first Bond film. Oh, OK. He only died very recently. Who, Monty Norman? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, however, as the producers were dissatisfied with Norman's arrangement, they hired John Barry to rearrange the theme for which he was paid uh, £250. Oh, wow. And Barry later claimed that it was actually he who wrote the theme. Right, OK. But Norman won two different libel actions that claimed Barry was the composer, right. the last against the Sunday Times in 2001. And so, just to be absolutely clear, Monty <laughs> Norman definitely wrote the Bond theme. And talking of the Bond theme, the guitar riff, ding 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 the guy who played the iconic guitar riff yeah. is a musician called Vic Flick. <laughs> he's <laughs> what still, a great name. Yeah, he's still alive. And he was paid £7.10 shillings <laughs> for that. I did some rabbit hole digging about Vic Flick. Oh yeah. Brilliant name. And found out that he was a member of John Barry's band, the John Barry Seven. Right, okay, that makes sense. But also, fascinatingly, he later became a session musician, and it's him playing the guitar parts on Tom Jones' It's Not Unusual. Oh. And Petula Clark's Downtown, and finally, Shout by Lulu. Wow, that's three big tunes there. That's Vic Flick's career for you. Right, just rewinding back to the fact that Bowie wrote Life on Mars using My Way as yeah. its base. Yeah. Um, the writer of My Way, as we have already mentioned, Paul Anker, um, he was a pop star in his own right. We don't know him so well in this country, do we? But he's an absolutely massive star in America. And he toured Britain and Australia with Buddy Holly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I read here. Um, and he even wrote Buddy's hit, It Doesn't Matter Anymore. Yeah. And after Buddy was killed in the famous plane crash, along with the Big Bopper and Richie Valens, mm. Paul Anker paid all the royalties he received from the song, It Doesn't Matter Anymore, to Buddy Holly's widow. Aww. Saying it was the least he could do. So that's very nice of you there, that Paul, nice. Paul Anker. Yeah. Uh, and I'm reading here, I thought this was reasonably interesting at least, that in 2008 he married a Swedish model named Anna Aberg or Arberg but they were divorced two years later and she went on to star in Svenska Hollywood Flower which is the Swedish version of The Real Housewives. The Real Housewives. Oh I love The Real Housewives. <laughs> Returning to Bowie's life on Mars, may we? May we? May we. And the line, see the mouse, see the mouse in the million hordes, from Ibiza to the Norfolk Broads. I've dug out a few interesting things about Ibiza. Did you know that the water around the island is so clear because of Neptune grass? <laughs> A seaweed that keeps the water sparkling and untainted. Okay. We need to get some of that in Whitstable, don't we? We certainly do. The oldest club on Ibiza is Pasha. Okay. Which started in 1973. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's way earlier than I'd have thought. Yeah. And did you know that the world's most expensive restaurant is on the island? Right. It's called Sublimotion. Right. And charges 1,500 euros per person. Good grief. Yeah, they have just one table in the restaurant. That's, how, can it be called a restaurant if it just has one table? Anyway, the table seats 12 people who are then treated to something more than just a bit of dinner. It's a full audio-visual performance with virtual reality headsets and food lowered onto the table by a load of pulleys with whizzes and bangs, which is what you'd want for 1,500 euros a pop. 
Yeah, I wonder what the food's like. It better well, be good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The population of Ibiza is 150,000. Right. Which swells to 1.5 million. Wow. With tourists at its peak. That's uh, quick maths. That's swelling it by... Uh, times 10. Times 10. To the power of 10. Wow. It attracts 6 million tourists every year. Good grief. And once, the famous astrologer and seer Nostradamus oh, yeah. predicted that due to the unique winds around the island, Ibiza may be the only place to survive the impending nuclear destruction. Right, wow. Which we're all looking forward to. <laughs> Right, well, talking of old Nostradamus, mm. um, I thought I would have a little uh, dig around him, so to speak. And, of course, he was famously a 16th century astrologer. I say mm. famously. I mean, I know very little about him, to be mm. perfectly honest. Um, he wrote a book called Les Prophéties, mm. which contained 948 of his quadrains. Mm. You know what a quadrain is? Um, it's a four-lined four poem. Right. And uh, within these poems he predicted future events and it has been claimed he prophesied the execution of King Charles I, the Great Fire of London and the rise of Hitler and the Third Reich and some believe he also alluded to the assassination of JFK and the dropping of the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Rather interestingly his name was the most searched name on the internet in the week after the 9-11 attacks, mm. possibly fuelled by a need to make sense of it all. Mm. Yeah. And in the Second World War, Hitler believed that Nostradamus had prophesied their rise and ultimate victory in France and even dropped pamphlets over Paris to persuade the residents to move out of the city to allow the Germans in, as it was, in his eyes, mm. an inevitable event. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. And apparently the fashion designer, we're, we're jumping ahead a bit here, Paco Rabanne, mm. cancelled his show in 1999 as he feared the world would end in July, as was predicted by Nostradamus. Yeah, lots of people believe that. That was all the rage, that wasn't was, it, in 1999, that the world was going to end. That's right. It was the end days, wasn't it? That and the millennium bug. <laughs> that was it. I mean, wow, that was the perfect marriage of destruction. But I think the fact that we are still here 23 years later proves pretty effectively that Nostradamus couldn't predict anything, could he? And obviously, I think what happens with these things is that people tend to make historical events fit in with yeah, his prediction rather you than can, the other way around. Because yeah. he, never, he never gave a date of any of his no. predictions. You could, you could match anything to anything, couldn't you, if you um, tried hard enough? Exactly. And I was reading a biog of old Nostradamus and found out that he originally trained as a doctor and opened an apothecary shop, yeah. which is like a pharmacist's today. Yeah. Um, but rather interestingly, he had, this, he had this thing in there where his customers could put bets on the sex of an unborn child. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He was like the first William Hill. Yeah. Can I just jump back to Paco Rabanne? Please do, yeah. Real name Francisco Rabaneda Cuervo. Okay. Is a Spanish fashion designer, of course, who became known as an enfant terrible in the 1960s French fashion world. Okay. He had started his career making jewellery for Givenchy and Dior. Right. But founded his own fashion house in 1966. Okay. In his debut show, he presented manifesto 12 unwearable dresses in contemporary materials. And he used unconventional materials such as metal, paper and plastic for his metal couture and outlandish and flamboyant designs. 
I love the idea of putting on a show where none of your outfits are wearable. And you remember the film Barbarella? I star do. Starring Jane Fonda uh, in the lead role. Of course. In the film, Barbarella wears a very short green dress. It's pretty iconic. It features on the film poster, and that design was inspired by Paco Rabanne's style. Ah, okay. Although he didn't actually design the garment himself, but it was, uh, yeah, inspired by Paco. And talking of Barbarella, do you know that uh, Barbarella is based on a graphic novel created by the author Jean-Claude Forrest? Oh. And Forrest, I'm reading here, based the character of Barbarella on Bridget Bardot. Oh yeah, well you can see the similarity. Who coincidentally was the ex-wife of Roger Vadim, Roger Vadim being the director of Barbarella the film. Oh, how about pure, that? Purely coincidental. Purely coincidental. Oh. And the coincidences just keep building up because Vadim, the mm. director, was married to the film's lead, Jane Fonda. Oh, right. He, he certainly had a type, didn't he? Um, and she was born Jane Seymour Fonda. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. And apparently she can be traced all the way back to the original Jane Seymour, who was famously the third wife of King Henry VIII. Oh, really? Yeah, through her mother, Frances Ford Seymour. And as well as acting, of course, Jane Fonda is also known for her workout videos. Yes. And I found this rather interesting. She was 45 when she released her first wow. uh, yeah. such video. Yeah. And do you know, that went on to become the biggest selling VHS of the 20th century. <laughs> and since then, wow. she has released a total of 22 videos selling a call 17 million of them. Wow. Yeah, my mum didn't uh, get the Jane Fonda workout. She got the Felicity Kendall Shape Up and Dance on 12-inch uh, vinyl, actually. Oh, did she? Yeah, where she's just shouting out instructions and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Lying on your back, arms out to the side. Palms down, leg kick, starting with the right leg. I can't imagine your mum doing uh, workout to that. Oh, it's that classic thing where she probably did it once and then that was the end yeah. of it. I had the Beverly Callard workout video. Who the hell's Beverly Callard? Liz McDonald from Coronation Street. <laughs> Actually, I just want to pop back to Paco Rabanne okay. um, again, if you don't mind. I know you said, didn't you, that he um, cancelled one of his shows because he was worried about the Nostradamus prediction of the world ending. That's right. Also, in my research of um, Paco Rabanne, I found out he's quite a character. Um, not only did he believe in the Nostradamus predictions, but he claims he himself has lived several lives. Oh, right. Okay. In yeah. Including that of a prostitute in the time of Louis XV. <laughs> okay, right. He reckons he knew Jesus in a previous life. Oh, wow. And to have seen God three times. Oh, three times. And that he has been visited by extraterrestrials and that it was him who murdered Tutankhamun. Oh. And he reckons he's 75,000 years old. Yeah, I don't, don't doubt it for a minute, Paco. He's been busy, hasn't he? He must be absolutely exhausted. Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, that way you'll never miss an episode. A massive thanks to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. 
It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his brilliant album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Remember to join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note, all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity.